Today, I want to talk about something very near and dear to my heart. Assassin's Creed 3. Why do I have my headphones on? I don't need my headphones for this. Like, I do this all the time. I've noticed a lot of gaming YouTubers do it. Like, we're filming videos and we have our headphones on. There's no reason for it other than, like, hearing our own voices. I'm not that interested in it, so I'm going to set them down. <clears throat> okay, where were we? Assassin's Creed 3, right. This game played a very integral part in my development as a gamer, in me developing my love for gaming. It's like up there in games that influenced me. Long story short, in 2013, about six months after Ubisoft released Assassin's Creed 3 to the public in December of the year previous, my school, my high school, had its prom and a big after prom party for all of uh, the main dances attendees that was hosted by the wealthy family at my school like every school has the one rich family that family was a group called the westons super cool family love them all to death hi tommy if you ever see this and they had a warehouse that was filled with all sorts of craziness and they decided to host the after prom there no kidding this place was basically like a dave and busters but for high schoolers it was just filled with all sorts of craziness, like everything from racing simulators to a basketball court they had. And they had like a, a auto shop in there for their stupidly expensive cars that they drove to school every day. They could just fix them up there uh, with like custom lifts and all sorts of craziness. And they even had a one to one flight simulator that was built to be a replica for a Boeing 747, like a full one-to-one -one flight simulator that apparently people came down from the Air Force Academy like two hours away. They would drive all the way north to use this flight simulator because it was so advanced. Like, this thing was insane. And to push all of this over the top, for after prom, they decided to donate a bunch of $25 gift cards to students for completing various tasks around the warehouse, completing different games, highest score on the basketball court would get 25 bucks, best score over at pool would get this, whoever had the fastest racing time would get that. And one of the awards was a $25 Best Buy gift card if you could land the flight simulator in the Hong Kong airport from back in the 90s that they replaced. Because I don't know if you ever saw pictures of it, we'll put up a picture right here. This airport was like tiny in the middle of a densely populated city, it was horrible. And so they had us high schoolers try to land a 747 simulator in that city and if we did it, we got a $25 gift card. Well, my dad loved flight simulators growing up. I grew up on these things and I love them dearly. So I made like 150 bucks in Best Buy gift cards that night. I probably should have been hanging out with my date and my friends, but duty called. So the next day I got up early. I went to Best Buy, spent the money that I had earned through landing that plane, bought Assassin's Creed 3, and then going off of two hours of sleep, I started playing. And it was great. Now I know looking back that we can point at all of these things that were weird about Assassin's Creed 3 and we can criticize it with a good chuckle, but I think it's important to be as level-headed with these things as we can manage. At the time, which is all that really matters, this game had a lot of novel ideas at play. For example, I can remember the first time I saw the free-running system working with trees, something that is incredibly simple nowadays, but back then this was really groundbreaking or the snow deformation system. I vividly remember talking to other students in the hallways at my school about how cool it was that you could just walk through snow and have it leave tracks behind. That's right, 
footprints in snow in a video game was considered locker room talk. That was locker room talk. We were super cool. Yeah, I guess I kind of went to a lame school now that I think about it, that that was like all we had to talk about. But anyway, moving on. The point of all of this is that there was a lot that this game did well. Sure, there were some eccentricities here and there, but it was on the whole pretty good even with the issues. Everything from pacing, the personability of the protagonist, and the mind-numbing quest design deserve to be pointed out, but this isn't the video for that. I already did a big critique of the game, which I'll have linked below if you wanna go check it out. What I'm here to talk about today is the big story DLC that they announced for the game and released in the months following its launch. You see, it was to be a story-based DLC, purely narrative set in an alternative universe where George Washington became corrupted with power and crowned himself King of America. I know it sounds pretty great, right? A story DLC that plays out with real timelines and real characters instead of just, you know, going like full Dragon Age on a lazily thrown together DLC that you charge as much as a full game for. It's refreshing, isn't it? Well, you see, I was really excited for the DLC, but as it was for many other players, not just me, it was not to be that rhymed. Uh, uh, very intentional, very intentional. I'm a gifted writer. <laughs> you see, for a huge chunk of players, the DLC was just plainly unplayable at launch. You couldn't play it, it would break. I was one of these poor suckers. I used the last of my Best Buy gift cards that I had earned at Afterprom to get the DLC, but when I booted it up on my Xbox, I couldn't progress through the story, and turns out I was not alone. I hopped online, and all of these Reddit posts and forum posts were filled with people who were saying that they were experiencing the same issue as me. You basically just couldn't progress through the story no matter what you did, and objectives wouldn't trigger, meaning you were just stuck and there was nothing you could do. Now, I don't have any footage of this because of course I wasn't doing YouTube back then. I had no idea that one day I'd be making a video that's gonna be seen by thousands upon thousands of people. So I didn't record any of it, but I did find some other threads on different forums that expressed at least what seemed to be very similar issues as what I experienced. The point is, for a lot of people, this thing was broken on arrival, and there wasn't really anything you could do about it. And the conclusions by these forum goers seemed to be pretty unanimous. There was nothing you could reliably do to fix it. Some people said that when they deleted their save file for the game and then started over from scratch, they had no issue and could progress further. I tried that, didn't work for me. Other people said that if you uninstalled the game entirely and reinstalled it, it would fix it didn't fix it for me. The last recommendation that people put out was that you just completely factory reset your console and then reinstall the game and then start from scratch and try again. I couldn't do that. My family, we all shared an Xbox and I couldn't exactly come up with a reasonable excuse as to why I deleted everybody's save files from every game that everybody played. So I was just kind of shit out of luck. I just had to resign myself to the fact that I was probably never going to play this DLC. And sure enough, before long, everybody had moved on and forgotten about the DLC and it seemed like Ubisoft was forgetting about it too. It sucked, but there were other big Ubisoft games coming out shortly after that that seemed very promising, like Assassin's Creed Unity, which was a banger. But all of this would change in 2019, when Ubisoft announced that they were releasing a remastered edition of Assassin's Creed 3, which was seemingly thrown together to sell in packages alongside certain versions of Assassin's Creed Odyssey, and so that they could release it on the Nintendo Switch, which 
was actually kind of a cool idea. And while I was certainly excited to get to play through Assassin's Creed 3 again in a remastered format with a bunch of bug fixes, I was more excited at the fact that they had in a little bitty bit of fine print that they were including a remastered version of the DLC. I could finally play it. So, as I'm sure you can appreciate, I was very, very excited. This was a long time coming. But the punchline to all of this is that the DLC is actually still pretty broken. <laughs> and after playing through it for this video, I've actually come to the conclusion that this thing was the quintessential example of everything that was to come in the following years. This DLC shows off all of the terrible design shifts that Ubisoft was about to make in the five-ish years that followed this release in 2013. Like, everything people now criticize Assassin's Creed for, whether it be the magic or the crazy fantasy influences, the bizarre combat systems which are reworked to basically just be fantasy magic systems, all of this started with this DLC. And nobody knew because it was broken. <laughs> you see, if this were just a story DLC where we play as Connor going through revolutionary America while trying to overthrow a tyrannical King Washington, I think we could all get on board. However, the development team took this opportunity to push the boundaries in other places. You see, George Washington is straight up magical. Like he's, he's a wizard in this version like he's using quen from the witcher 3 he can foos Daw connor across arenas and he even seems to have psychic and telekinetic abilities at times it's really weird like i know he has the apple of eden but that hasn't always been an excuse to just turn into superman i i at least that was my opinion, and that's my interpretation of the story, but apparently I missed something. Apparently, if you have the Apple of Eden, you just turn into Jesus. I, <laughs> I was trying to think of another superhero that can do stuff like that. I was like, I don't know, Jesus? <laughs> like, I know this is in an alternative universe, but this is such a massive departure from the relatively grounded story of the base game that it just feels wholly out of place. You know, you can be wacky in a DLC, but if you're too wacky, it just feels weird. Like if we look back at the the dragon whatever DLC for Far Cry 3, that thing was amazing because it used the gameplay systems from the base game and amped them up in a crazy new way. This DLC takes the gameplay from the base game, says screw that, and puts in magic and then takes the story which some people liked from the base game and says screw that and then they put magic in like their solution to everything is just magic but it's not just george washington uh his his highness not to be outdone by the man with the wooden teeth connor also has magic he can literally transform into a wolf to get around enemies, stealth in front of fully alert targets, and not just that, Connor will unlock multiple supernatural abilities to take on Georgie as he tries to find a way to stop him from invading England to enslave the Brits. Also, I don't know why, it's, it's just kind of funny to me, like the idea of King Washington 
going and hopping on a boat with all of his soldiers and being like, yeah, get over there. We're going to show the king what's up. We're going to we're going to tax your tea now, bitches. <laughs> I just love the idea. It's funny. It's funny to me. I don't know. My editing team is based out of England, so they probably find this less funny. <laughs> now, you do get to explore more of revolutionary era New York, but in actuality, you're actually spending most of the DLC exploring needless filler and bloat sections, which have nothing to do with any of the real life areas that the story is set within. Like there's even a massive sequence towards the end of the DLC where you'll be navigating a gigantic pyramid that King Washington has been building for reasons and it it's just so weird it's so weird i can't even ex look at this it's weird again i can't express just how excited i was at the prospect of an alternative universe set dlc for assassin's creed 3 in revolutionary era america i was all about this historical period at that time in my life i was so into it and so to see this bizarre magic filled slog fest is just it was so disappointing it really is just a fever dream of confusion and overly dramatic sci-fi tropes like there's no levity in this at all there's not a single joke where you can kind of relax and calm yourself down the whole thing is painfully serious while they're watching a, an old man with wooden teeth build a pyramid so he can go and enslave the Brits. Like nobody takes a moment to be like, what is he doing? Is this guy out of his mind? Everyone's like, yes, yes, I'm very, this very serious, very serious magic, wolf ability, bear ability. Like it's so bizarre. It's not good. I keep trying, like I wrote out a script for this video. I have things written, phrased decently. But when I try to go off script and just speak from the heart on how I feel about this, I'm just left with like bad and boring and blah. Like that, it's because that's the emotion I feel. And it's so overwhelming and overpowering. I can't put anything else into words. I'm just speechless. Like I, I'm just left with caveman utterances of how I feel and how this DLC broke me. And so I, I have nothing more to say than just but to touch on the science fiction bit before somebody leaves a pedantic comment about it, listen, I know that Assassin's Creed has long played into the science fictional ideas, and the whole Apple of Eden thing isn't exactly grounded in reality to begin with, and that's been in the franchise since day one. But one of the things that I loved most about games like Assassin's Creed 1 and 2 and the whole Ezio trilogy in general was that to a certain extent, the writers and designers worked the supernatural elements into a naturalistic framework. So things made sense in the world they had built, but it was still a slightly altered version of the real world, so it felt more believable. With this DLC, the whole thing is just magic. It's no longer in the real world, and I get it, it's an alternative universe, but it ends up feeling so different from the base game or anything else in the Assassin's Creed franchise, at least up till that point, that it doesn't feel like an Assassin's Creed 3 DLC. It just feels like a bizarre spin-off game that shares some of the same controls and the same voice actors. That's really it. 
And every time that they need to come up with some explanation for something bizarre, such as King Washington being able to like sort of fly or being able to Fusro die you across an arena or using a magical shield so that you can't touch him. Instead of coming up with some sort of explanation, they just go, eh, magic. Eh, how does Connor use ghostly wolves to fight? Eh, magic. It's magic. He drank some tea that's magic. <laughs> and no, I'm not joking. Like the major abilities that Connor gets in this game, he acquires by climbing a tree and then getting tea, brewing it, getting high as balls, and then going and doing stuff. And it's magic. Like that, that is the explanation. That's how little effort they put into this. How does King Washington withstand Connor's attacks and not receive any damage? Eh, magic. How has Washington convinced everybody he just led in a revolution to side with him during this conflict, even though they just got out of a war with England, now he's gonna reintroduce and restart the war? How did he manage to convince everybody of that? Eh, magic. How does Ubisoft stay relevant in the modern day? Eh, magic. But don't get it twisted, it's not just the narrative that falls flat in this DLC. The gameplay also sucks. You see, it's just not fun. Now I know in the age of The Last of Us Part 2, Red Dead Redemption 2, and Papers, Please, the idea that games have to be fun is sort of outdated. Games can be incredibly impactful without playing to such simplistic feedback loops. All of those games that I just mentioned had impactful stories, their gameplay was really good, and they stood out as memorable experiences in and of themselves, even if they didn't leave you giggling all the time. The tyranny of King Washington has none of that. It's just bland, overly serious, and when the gameplay isn't broken, it's tediously boring. We're not just talking fetch quests, of which there are many, or trailing missions where you have to stay within a certain range of an NPC to overhear a conversation, but there are even these mini-games that are bafflingly horrible. Like, seriously, look at this. You have to shoot this cannon at waves of troops that come in from off screen. You are doing this to, I guess, stop their advance so that more innocent villagers don't die. But the soldiers will literally keep coming until you hit a certain threshold. It doesn't matter how many dozens of soldiers are lying dead in front of them in the next group. They'll just keep coming like ants to a flame. I know the saying is moth to a flame, but I like the idea of the ants like in single file just marching into a campfire. I mean, I don't like the idea of that. I like the imagery. I don't like the imagery. I'm gonna move on. This makes me sound like a psychopath. Quick sidebar, I just thought of this. One of my college roommates, he, uh, I'm not gonna say his name in case this is embarrassing, but you know who you are. One of my college roommates, he, uh, he told us a story of when he was a little kid and he, we were just sharing stories of what we did when we were little. It was very lighthearted. Nobody was saying anything bad. It was like, yeah, my dad took me fishing. Or yeah, I used to play marbles with my, my great uncle. And it was super fun. And then he comes out and it's like, yeah, me and my uh, friends in the neighborhood, we found a bunch of grasshoppers in my backyard, cut off their heads and put them on toothpick pikes and lined our entire yard with these severed grasshopper heads. And we're all like, what? what the hell did you do? What? And he, like, he said this just like he was saying, yeah, we used to walk down to the mailbox together. It was so casual to him. He just throws out this Jeffrey Dahmer sounding, 
bizarre thing that he did when he was like six years old. And we're all like, what? <laughs> it stuck with me to this day. It's probably one of the weirdest moments I've had speaking to a friend ever where I was just like, I literally don't have the words to deal with what I just heard. I don't like, does that make you a psychopath? Does, is that weird? Am I weird for thinking that's weird? Let me know in the comments, like right below the like button. I don't know. That seems weird to me, but maybe it's not. Maybe everybody does that and I'm the weird one. Anyway, the point is all of these soldiers marching forward get wiped out by your cannons, but even then it doesn't play out properly probably more than half the time. You see, the controls are horrible and they're delayed in their responsiveness. And so if you screw up even once with your aim, you won't be able to catch back up and you'll be forced to reset the entire mini game, but only after the entire thing has played out. So what should have been a 30 second little mini game that's over just as quickly as it began because it's horrible, turns into a 10 minute chore that's as uninteresting as it is frustrating. And there's a bunch of these mini games throughout the DLC. And I think the developers realized as they went that this wasn't fun and this sucked. So they started throwing in these different quest styles, I guess, to shake it up. But these things are just where you are expected to stop waves of enemies who are just bum rushing a target and you just kill one then run over here kill the other and run back like this one that's pretty early on in the game which is a good example where these guys are running into light explosives that are going to blow up civilians trapped in buildings all you have to do is stop these guys from lighting the kegs of explosives otherwise you fail and we'll just reset now i'm not joking there are like 10 of these guys you run one of them down and then you get a notifier on the mini map of where the next one is coming from you run over take him out another one spawns and you do this like 10 times you'll run them down shove an axe in their back and then another one will spawn and you'll chase them down and do the same thing too and it repeats itself ad nauseum there are even other npcs standing by the explosive crates that these guys are rushing in to light and after you kill them they drop the torch or the whatever they're carrying to light it that other NPC doesn't pick it up to light it. They're just, they just stand there and they're like, oh, that sucks for him. Damn, he got, he got messed up. Like this guy could light the barrel. He could do it, but he just doesn't. Also, it doesn't matter that there are tons of civilians that are getting attacked and murdered by Washington's soldiers. You don't do anything for them because you just have to stop these random guys running in to light these barrels on fire. So you just ignore all that go about your business, screw them, and move on with your day. It's not even like an additional challenge. Like, <laughs> you, you kill the guy running with the torch, doesn't matter if you go and save the woman that's being dragged through a field by another guy. Eh, leave her, she'll be fine. Just worry about these guys trying to light these barrels on fire. It's, it's painfully stupid. Again, I don't want to be an overly cynical prick, at least all the time. I really try. I'm trying to get better about it. Be positive. Enjoy things. Smell the roses. You know, I'm trying to do that. But even appreciating the fact that this DLC is very old and that what might have flown back then doesn't necessarily fly now, I still just, I have to refuse to accept that this was ever considered good game design. Like, this is terrible back then, and this is terrible today. 
These missions are dumb and they ask you to do things that are dumb and that don't make sense narratively just to pad out gameplay time. There are many games to shake up the monotony, but they are so poorly implemented that they fail to achieve their goal of being better than the thing we've been doing for dozens of hours already. And listen, at the end of the day, a lot of video game analysis and critique comes down to gut feelings. It just does. Unless you've been doing this for years and years, it's often really hard to put into words why a game connects with you in a certain way and why another game doesn't connect with you in that way, especially when it's something that is okay like you know it, maybe it's good maybe it's not maybe it sits well with some people like like a seven out of ten experience some people love it some people hate it it takes practice to learn how to put your feelings into the proper terminology to communicate why you like something why you don't what works what doesn't a lot of the time for people it just comes down to what their gut tells them if they liked it if they had fun if they enjoyed their time with it and that's kind of it and if i had to describe my gut feeling for the Tyranny of King Washington DLC, the gut feeling would probably be like explosive diarrhea, but like <laughs> low energy diarrhea. Like it's it's not exciting or, or like, wow, what's happening next? It's like a steady drip. <laughs> this is getting gross. You know what I mean though. Like don't picture it, but you know what I mean. It's like the last time I got a quesarito from Taco Bell ravaged me all of this to say the tyranny of king washington it isn't fun it isn't enjoyable it's extremely tedious it's self-indulgent it's overly serious and they somehow found a way to make an alternative universe where one of america's founding fathers became a corrupt tyrant boring and on top of all of that the dlc didn't just launch buggy and broken it still is like almost a decade later they still haven't fixed it. There are bugs galore, glitches galore, certain things won't load. I had to shut the game off and reboot it multiple times. I have it on the Switch and I have it on my PC. Both versions just don't function properly. It's just bad in every way. So, okay, okay, the DLC sucks, we can agree. We're all on the same page. What's the big deal? Well, as they say, hindsight is 2020. And looking back at this expansion, I think it's easy to see the signs of where the developers wanted to take the franchise. You see, seven years before Assassin's Creed Valhalla, these studios were playing around with the idea of supernatural abilities being in the player's tool chest. They also largely bypassed the stealth mechanics in favor of flashy melee combat sequences, and they almost entirely abandoned unique and effortful quest design in favor of whatever was cheapest and quickest. This whole thing is a gigantic red flag for what was to come in the years that followed, because this DLC was made by the same teams that would head up the reinvention of the Assassin's Creed franchise with Assassin's Creed Origins and later with Assassin's Creed Valhalla. I've talked about almost all of the Assassin's Creed games on this channel at this point, and my general feeling is that the franchise really began to depart from its roots with Black Flag, which was once again designed heavily by the team that made this DLC expansion, but also probably primarily with Assassin's Creed Origins. That's when the first major shift happened. And then Valhalla was the cherry on top of the shit Sunday <laughs> that made everything terrible. But after playing this DLC, it seems very clear to me that 
The first sign of this departure from the franchise's roots and where they wanted to take this franchise moving forward, that first red flag was with this DLC. It wasn't Black Flag that was the initial warning sign. That was maybe the biggest one. But this DLC really showed early on not just how they wanted to go more of an open world design, not just that they wanted to introduce more magic elements, but that they wanted to totally depart from any semblance of a grounded storyline or reality. They wanted to just do whatever they wanted to do and still call it Assassin's Creed. When they started conceptualizing what the next generation of Assassin's Creed games were going to be in late 2014 after the release of Black Flag, the teams over at Ubisoft Montreal no doubt wanted to reinvent the franchise, and they certainly did so. They took a lot of inspiration from Dragon Age Inquisition, which won Game of the Year in 2014 the same year, but the team at Montreal also took a lot of inspiration from The Witcher 3, which obviously was not a bad choice. The Witcher 3 is awesome. If we get more Witcher 3, sweet. But the team wasn't just doing that. They were also taking inspiration from the last games that they had produced, such as Black Flag and such as the work they did for the Tyranny of King Washington DLC. And guess what? They eventually succeeded. Assassin's Creed Valhalla is basically a perfect melding of what they wanted to do with a sense of adventure and exploration in Assassin's Creed Black Flag and then they melded it with the crazy magic crap from the tyranny of King Washington. And it's so clear to me now that this is what happened. I, I can't believe I didn't see it before, but I, I also can't blame myself because I couldn't play the DLC until very recently. So like even when it launched on Switch, I tried to play it and it was still broken with the same bug that I had back in the day. And I had to wait for a patch to fix it. At least they fixed it eventually. And now you can play through it, but that's not saying much. I don't know, who knows? Maybe if the DLC wasn't broken at launch for many, many players, it would have gotten out to a larger audience and fans could have made it clear that they didn't want the studios to go in this direction for future releases. I don't think it would have helped anything. I think they would have done it anyways, because I think most people, myself included, just thought that this DLC was going to be a one-off. Like, yeah, it's wacky and magical. They're probably not going to do this more. This is just a weird DLC. Who cares? Turns out it was more than that. But that's just one guy's theory. A game theory. <laughs> Dude, I haven't watched a game theory video in like five years i need to do that uh, i've got the itch maybe i'll go back and watch some like five nights at freddy's fan theory videos from from uh, like 20 was that 2014 2015 whenever that was really big i remember being super into it back then maybe i'll maybe i'll do that that sounds oddly nostalgic sounds fun Anyway, let me know all of your thoughts on all of this in the comment section below the like button. I really look forward to reading your comments on all of this. If you played the DLC back in the day, what you thought of it, if you've gone through it recently, I want to know if I'm crazy or if I'm just a cynical prick. I don't know. Much love to you all. I'll see you in the next video. If you have a minute, pop over to the Twitch stream. I'm probably live right as this video goes up. So if you want to say hi, pop over there. I'll be hanging out. It'll be cool to see you. Links in the description box under the, the link tree. Check it out. Much love. I'll see you in the next one. Bye-bye.